You're now listening to The Nest on Tap, conversations to encourage parents to make informed choices about healthcare and to embrace parenting as a tool to change the world, one diaper at a time. Here's your host, Katie Demota. Welcome, and thank you for joining us for The Nest on Tap. I'm Katie Demota, and I'll be your host today together with Chelsea Bryan. Hello, happy to see you all. And today we're talking with Paige Doyle. We're talking about balancing blood sugars for hormonal support. It's a great conversation for everyone from preconception through postpartum and beyond. Uh, Paige is a certified holistic nutritionist currently located in Nevada County. She helps her clients with weight management, balancing blood sugars, healing the gut, hormonal balancing, and mood and sleep disorders. She's currently seeing her clients throughout the country via phone and video conference. She also facilitates group workshops online as well as in person. Paige is currently expecting her first baby in February. And after navigating post-bill syndrome and conception difficulties, she's uh, shifted her career path to be centered on helping mothers and mothers-to-be feel their best and hone in on their body's natural rhythms. Welcome, Paige, and thank you for joining us today. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me, and thanks for everyone joining in on our live uh, Zoom call today. Like Katie was um, saying, I'm a holistic nutritionist located here, um, actually in Grass Valley. I moved here about a year ago, and for the past, I would say, four or so years, I've shifted my practice towards being um, more more focused towards women's women's health in particular um, related to fertility, um, hormonal balancing, preconception care, um, and just all throughout the woman's childbearing years. Um, and the reason that I became more passionate about that was because of my own issues with um, coming off birth control pills after being on them for over a decade and experiencing something called um, hypothalamic hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, and basically what that is, is your period kind of just stops and there's no real rhyme or reason for it. Um, basically the easiest way to describe it is that I think your body was used to all those synthetic hormones. So it's kind of trying to find its natural rhythm again. And sometimes that can take longer for some women than others. <clears throat> and through my own personal journey, I discovered, um, you know, a lot of healing can happen through, um, you know, your diet, um, nutrition and herbs, and in particular balancing blood sugar levels throughout the day. So that's kind of what brings me here today. And I am expecting my first in February. And I've definitely been through a lot of the things the women I'm sure on this call have been through with um, first trimester nausea and, and heartburn and all that. So I hope I can provide some support from a holistic nutrition um, mindset. So that's me, a little bit about me um, and where you can find me at ditchedmyscale.com. So to get started here, So balancing blood sugars leads to balancing hormones. So hormones can become unbalanced for many different reasons, but a main contributing factor that we can modify relatively easily through our diet is blood sugar levels. So the human body secretes and circulates around 50 different hormones. Um, These hormones are secreted by our endocrine system and they tell the body to activate specific target cells. So basically, in other words, um, your, each hormone has a very specific purpose that talks to a very specific cell or type of cells. For today's talk, I'm definitely not going to have time to talk about all 50 hormones and how they can relate to your blood sugar levels, but we will talk about three very important hormones involved in conception, pregnancy, and postpartum. And those three key hormones are estrogen, progesterone, and insulin. So let's talk about estrogen for a moment here. During your menstrual cycle, um, what estrogen does is it matures the egg and uterine lining. It also helps um, with cervical fluid. So 
secreting more cervical fluid as you get closer to ovulation. And during pregnancy, estrogen also um, helps develop female sex traits. So if you're having a girl, you'll, you'll probably have more estrogen floating throughout your body than if you were having a boy. It also um, is involved in the placenta to help um, establish and maintain a healthy pregnancy. So estrogen is very important for fertility and um, for keeping you know, a healthy pregnancy. Progesterone is called the, what I call the post-ovulatory hormone because it's released by the corpus luteum post-ovulation during a woman's menstrual cycle. It causes the uterine lining to thicken for implantation of a fertilized egg. So if sperm meets egg, it'll become fertilized at this point. It's also the reason why if you do um, fertil the fertility awareness method, why right after ovulation, your body temperature, if you notice it increases a little bit, that's progesterone. And it also changes our cervical position. It's another hormone that's very important for placental health during pregnancy. Um, and when we're talking about postpartum, both progesterone and estrogen, they've risen a lot during pregnancy, but they uh, significantly decline right after giving birth. So um, postpartum, that's kind of where hormonal imbalancing can happen as your body is trying to figure out <laughs> how, to, how to balance these out. And usually they don't get back to baseline or pre-pregnancy levels until you get your you know, first menstrual cycle after having a child. The third hormone that we'll talk about, insulin. Um, insulin is produced and secreted by the pancreas. Um, it helps move glucose into, uh, it moves glucose um, from our blood to muscles, liver, and fat cells for absorption. However, what doesn't get absorbed into our muscle, um, fat, and liver cells stays in the bloodstream. And if we don't produce enough insulin or we become something called insulin resistant, what can happen is that too much blood builds up in our blood sugars, leading to high um, blood sugar levels or hyperglycemia. And an interesting thing to point out here in regards to female sex hormones is that both estrogen and progesterone affect how your body responds to insulin. So low levels of estrogen can lead to insulin resistance, meaning that your body requires more insulin to regulate sugar in your bloodstream. Conversely, high levels of progesterone can um, lead to insulin resistance, which may contribute to things like gestational diabetes in some pregnant women. So it's you know, too low of estrogen and too high of, too high of progesterone can, can definitely be linked to insulin resistance, which could be a precursor to things like diabetes and gestational diabetes. And how to kind of put that I'll talk a little bit more about this in the next coming slides. But um, an important thing here, just during our regular menstrual cycle, is that we can use this knowledge to eat with your cycle or eat to be what, to, what is most best. point um, in the cycle, it would be recommended to eat more complex carbs. So um, we'll talk about what complex carbs are in just a little bit, but something to keep in mind is that you might notice you're a bit more hungry during your, your luteal phase, which is right after ovulation. And part of that has to do with estrogen levels being higher. Um, similar to estrogen levels being high uh, right after ovulation, there's also a link between like right when a woman gets pregnant during that first trimester, she's experiencing a huge raise in estrogen. And again, estrogen linked to lower blood sugar levels. So there tends to be, um, you know, there's not one, one reason why morning sickness is worse than some women than others, but one of, one of the many um, theories out there is that since estrogen levels are so high and your blood sugar levels get too low, it causes nausea or morning sickness, which I'm sure from all of you that have experienced morning sickness, you know, it doesn't just happen in the morning, unfortunately. 
It can happen all day long. Um, but something that really helps with morning sickness is balance blood sugar levels. So really trying to um, eat before your blood sugars get too low. And protein rich snacks too and small frequent meals are, are gonna be helpful for morning sickness, especially during the first trimester as your body's kind of getting used to these new levels of normal. So higher you know, estrogen than you've been used to in the past. I will say the good news about morning sickness, while well, it's not fun at all, is that it's a really good sign of a healthy viable pregnancy. That's not to say that if you don't experiencing, if you're not experiencing morning sickness, that you won't, um, that you don't have a healthy viable pregnancy, but um, it was definitely reassuring for me during my first trimester to know that, okay, <laughs> this is a good thing. My body's responding um, in just the ways it needs to at this time. So um, working also with nausea or morning sickness um, to help lower that estrogen, your liver is actually responsible for detoxifying excess estrogen. So proper liver function is crucial for um, eliminating that estrogen. So your liver really, um, really likes So from the cabbage family, think foods like kale, um, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, those are gonna be in the cruciferous family. Also B vitamins are really important, so make sure you're taking a good prenatal that has a B complex in it. Um, if you do animal protein, heme iron's really gonna be great for um, help, helping to get rid of some of that excess estrogen. So um, beef definitely has a lot of heme iron in it, so if you can get some beef three to four times a week, that would be really helpful as well as magnesium. And interesting here about magnesium is that um, constipation is also linked to estrogen dominance, having excess estrogen. Um, so making sure you're having daily regular bowel movements. And if you are constipated, magnesium, taking a magnesium supplement can definitely help um, move things along, as well as consuming a more fiber-rich diet with things like whole grains, fruits, and vegetables. Um, also drinking more water because our body needs more fluids um, during pregnancy anyway. So it also requires enough fluids to have a healthy regular bowel movement. So looking at what, what are some of the signs of low blood sugar or hypoglycemia? When our blood sugars dip too low, we can experience things like irregular or fast heartbeat, fatigue, Paleness, shakiness, anxiety, sweating, hunger, irritability, even tingling or numbness. The thing I want to point out here that while these symptoms can be unpleasant, it's really just your body's way of telling you that something's not in balance and needs your attention. Your body wants to maintain homeostasis. So it wants to get it balanced. So by, by telling you these signs, it's saying like, hey, we need, to, we need to eat now. We need to balance these blood sugars so that our hormones can be in balance. And this for me, I found really comforting during my you know, post-pill syndrome recovery was um, at first I thought that my hormones were fighting against me, but then learning that you know, they do want to be in balance and I just have to work with them and impatience and love and acceptance about this instead of thinking that your body is working against you here. It really isn't. It really is trying to maintain homeostasis and these signs and symptoms are just your body's way of telling you, hey, something needs to get shifted a little bit here. So what foods can we focus on to balance our blood sugar levels? Um, so this can be all of these can be um, looked at as things to focus on for our meals as well as during snacks. So we wanna make sure in order to balance our blood sugar levels throughout the day, that we're eating a lot of high quality protein. Uh, pregnant women need about 60 grams or more of protein a day because we're building you know, a whole nother human in there. Um, so things like grass-fed dairy and beef, pasture-raised chicken, seafood, um, collagen peptides and other protein powders, so you're not doing meat, other protein powders that I recommend are things like undenatured whey protein, uh, pea protein, or like hemp seed protein. 
I'm not a big fan of the protein powders out there that have a laundry list of ingredients in them. I really like the single source protein powders. Um, so, so if you can, um, definitely look on, you know, the back of the protein powder package that you carry, um, or that you're about to purchase and just make sure that it doesn't have a lot of weird excess ingredients in it. Really the single sourced, single ingredient ones are, are the best there. Um, eggs, we're going to talk about eggs because eggs are one of those that I really think is important for us all to incorporate into our diet, especially during pregnancy. Beans, nuts, and seeds, those are also going to give you some protein. We want to make sure also at mealtime that we're incorporating healthy fats. So full fat dairy instead of skim or low fat or reduced fat dairy. Um, cold water fish, which I'm sure we've all heard, you know, of the benefits of omega-3 fatty acids for not only our own brain development, um, but also for babies' uh, brain development as well. Omega-3 fatty acids are going to be very anti-inflammatory, so they're going to be very nourishing for both you and baby. Avocados, another um, healthy fat. Olive oil, um, ghee or butter in nuts and seeds. In complex carbohydrates, um, these would be things like your whole grains, so quinoa, uh, brown rice. Um, if you're doing gluten, this could be, you know, your whole, whole flour, um, that sort of thing. Um, oats are another good complex carbohydrate. Beans, crunchy and starchy vegetables, so root vegetables like sweet potatoes, or russet potatoes, uh, fresh fruits, and leafy greens are also going to be complex carbohydrates. Um, the difference between complex and simple carbohydrates is simple carbohydrates are more your white flours and white sugars. So those um, get converted right into glucose in the bloodstream. So there's nothing to slow down the absorption of the glucose into your bloodstream. So protein, healthy fats, um, complex carbohydrates, those are all gonna help slow down the absorption. Whereas if we're just giving our body straight sugar, that's what's gonna get um, into the bloodstream right away. So you're always gonna have you know, some blood sugars, but to help balance that out with things like fats and fiber and protein will help so that it's at an even balance throughout the day instead of going through this blood sugar roller coaster throughout the day. Hey Paige, I have a quick question about yeah. some foods that I commonly see um, pregnant women eating. They're kind of trendy and I'm not seeing them on this list. Um, yeah. One of them is um, soy products like tofu or the so so soy protein isolate found in yeah. a lot of protein powders. Mm -hmm. um, I know that those are often um, more economical mm -hmm. and people do seem to like the flavor sometimes more of those. The other thing I'm curious about is uh, coconut milk and coconut oil. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, to answer your first question about the soy, um, I would consider you know soybeans to be a good source of protein. The concern I have with soy is that I think for vegetarians and vegans, there can be an overuse of soy in the diet, um, especially soy protein isolates. They're, um, what they do is they mimic estrogen in the body. So if we're already dealing with too much estrogen or estrogen dominance, um, that, that'll you know help our hormones become even more imbalanced if we're doing too much soy. Um, I think like edamame, in, in tempeh and miso and things like that can absolutely be um, part of a healthy diet and give your body some um, protein, especially during your first trimester. If you're feeling really nauseous, something like miso soup could be really nourishing. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend the protein bars out there that have soy protein isolates. Soy is kind of like corn in that it's just really cheap to produce. So um, a lot of these big manufactured food companies, they like to add it in just because it's cheap, not because it's good for us. Um, in terms of healthy fats, yeah, I, thanks for reminding me. Coconut oil and coconut, like full fat canned coconut milk, those are um, 
rich in monounsaturated fats and your body utilizes those um, really well for energy. So yeah, definitely adding those to your list of fats is, is a great idea. I love cooking with coconut oil and using coconut milk in things like smoothies. Cool, thank you. Yeah, thanks for your question. Oh, and one, one other thing I wanted to um, point out here, especially during, um, you know, bouts of nausea, is to avoid naked carbs, even, you know, naked complex carbs. So try to combine those with at least a source of fat and a source of protein if you can. So for example, if all you feel like eating is a piece of toast in the morning, try to at least put a little bit of ghee or butter or coconut oil on it, um, just to slow down the absorption of glucose. Um, or, you know, better yet, put some, put some avocado slices and some hemp seeds on that. Um, it'll really help uh, with, you know, um, your maintaining your blood sugar levels throughout the day and keeping them stable. Okay, so breakfast is my favorite <laughs> to talk about um, because it really does set the tone for the rest of the day and how your body's going to handle um, your blood sugar levels throughout the day. So if we start our breakfast with something like very high in sugar, high in simple carbohydrates, we're raising those blood sugar levels, which then, you know, causes a lot of insulin to be released in the pancreas, which then, um, you know, causes our blood sugar levels to get this huge spike and then a really um, sudden drop, which can give us those signs and symptoms like fatigue and nervousness and anxiety and feeling hungry. So starting your day off with a breakfast, using that rule of thumb of protein, healthy fats, um, good complex carbohydrates for some fiber to slow down that absorption is gonna be crucial. So I have some ideas here of some of my favorite breakfasts. Um, and those include the um, on on your screen you can see there's this three ingredient banana pancake recipe that I really like and all it requires is just one banana one egg and about two tablespoons of um, coconut or almond flour and that makes about three pancakes which is um, you know plenty for for breakfast especially if you're not feeling like eating that much and you want something more more bland um, you could also um, you know add some flavor to it by adding some spices like cinnamon or um, some vanilla extract as well if you wanted to make it a five ingredient banana cake but um, it's a great great way to sneak in an egg if you're not feeling eggs and we'll talk more about why i love eggs again in a moment but you can see a lot of these breakfasts incorporate eggs um, this picture on the far left is one of my favorites that I've been doing throughout this fall and winter season. It's um, a roasted acorn squash with some uh, ground beef or pork. Or I think for this one, I actually use ground turkey. Um, and then some sauteed kale or whatever sauteed greens you have in your fridge and um, a soft, or, or yeah, sorry, and I think that was a poached egg on top there. And then a frittatas, basically a crustless quiche. I really like making these for batch cooking. So for if you you know made a frittata for one day that week, it could easily you know feed you for four or five breakfasts throughout that week as well. And instead of the crust, I used um, I believe some russet potatoes at the bottom, got them nice and crispy. Added about a half dozen eggs, whole milk, um, some cheese and whatever veggies you like on top and you just bake that in the oven for about 40 40 to 45 minutes and you can add some you know diced ham or, or turkey in there as well for some extra protein another one that's really popular is doing the soaked oats or um, with you know maybe some chia in there as well for like a chia oatmeal pudding I like this one because oats are really rich in fiber, which again slows down the absorption of glucose into our bloodstream. Um, I don't recommend the instant oatmeal packs just because those tend to have a lot of extra added sugars in them. 
And I would also recommend doing steel cut oats if you can, instead of the rolled um, old fashioned oats, just because they have more fiber and they're gonna be less processed than those old fashioned rolled oats. You could naturally sweeten it yourself with things like honey, stevia, some fresh or dried fruit. Um, you could even add some like peanut butter or almond butter, some healthy fat in there as well as um, letting them soak canned um, coconut milk or whatever nut milk of choice you like. So I said I'd focus more on eggs and I did wanna give them a spotlight briefly in my talk this morning. So the reason um, I love eggs and I think they're superfood for super mamas as I call them, um, they're not only an excellent source of protein, um, the, the egg yolk itself is really rich in omega-3 fatty acids. Again, those anti-inflammatory fats. They're rich in B vitamins and something called choline. So choline is a B, vit B vitamin-like compound. Um, it's an amino acid and involved in transcription of DNA. It's important for brain development, um, not only for, for you, but for growing baby as well. Um, it's important for placenta function and nutrient transfer to the baby as well. And we've all heard about folate being really important um, for preventing neural tube defects, but they've actually found that choline can, um, choline and folate work together to prevent neural tube defects. So it's really important to not only focus on folate um, during pregnancy, but also choline as well. So I think in you know the upcoming coming years, we're going to see more prenatal supplements that have choline in them. Right now, there's not a lot on the market, but there is a really high amount of choline in one egg. Um, in about one egg, there's 147 uh, milligrams of choline. So the recommended, according to the, the um, FDA, it's about 450 to 550 milligrams a day of choline. Um, if pregnant or lactating. So by you know consuming two to three eggs a day, you're almost there. Other good sources of choline include beef, beef liver, soybeans, chicken, and fish. So some simple lunch ideas I have um, that, that will help keep your blood sugars balanced throughout the day include things like an egg salad, so to incorporate more eggs, some more choline into your diet, um, things like egg salad on some whole grain toast with some sprouts or on a bed of lettuce, a hearty stew or soup that you could also batch cook um, using some beef bone broth. That would be really nourishing and easy way to um, yeah, just heat that up over lunch every day, keep it in your fridge something like sauteed or baked salmon with some greens, um, veggies, rice and beans for some complex carbohydrates. Those are awesome lunch ideas. And of course I have to mention snacks <laughs> because everybody loves snacking. One thing I do want to point out about snacking is that if you notice you're hungry about an hour after eating, um, you might want to reflect on that last meal you had. Maybe you didn't consume enough protein at that meal. Maybe you needed a little bit more protein. Or maybe you didn't incorporate enough fat um, to keep you satiated. So those are just things to evaluate. Um, or maybe you just didn't eat enough food at that last meal. But ideally, you shouldn't feel famished after just an hour of eating. So, so focusing on that, those protein sources and, and healthy fat sources. But some of my favorite snack ideas are things like homemade um, gelatin gummy bears. And we'll talk about gelatin in just a few moments. Um, also liver pate with um, some green crackers or bread. Homemade trail mix. I wouldn't recommend purchasing store-bought trail mix. A lot of them tend to be really high in added sugars. So making your own is not only more affordable, but also you can monitor and dictate what goes into it. So um, yeah, avoiding those with a lot of excess added sugars to it. 
things like um, cottage cheese with fresh fruit or um, whole, whole milk, plain yogurt with fruit would be another good snack idea. I will say I found that um, not only myself, but a lot of pregnant women, they crave more dairy, um, which to be fair, I am from Wisconsin. So, you know, I was born, <laughs> born and raised to love my dairy, but um, I've tried to avoid it over the years due to like different skin issues and whatnot, but I found in pregnancy, my body craves it. It loves it. So I'm just eating intuitively and, you know, dairies are really great source of protein and calcium. So I think just going with what works for you um, and just doing the, again, the full fat version and, and sourcing it as best you can. Uh, guacamole with some crackers or like siete chips, that would be a great snack. Some of the hummus, you could do hummus with some crunchy vegetables or some crackers. Hey Paige. Yeah. Can I ask, we have a, a question in the chat just about snacks. Mm -hmm. I thought maybe this would be a good time. Um, yeah, definitely. Bisha wants to know about eating liver and how can we be sure we're not taking in too much vitamin A if you're also taking a prenatal that has the 100% uh, of the uh, recommendation of vitamin A? Yeah, so the thing with the, the recommendations on prenatals is they're not, they're basically the levels at which like you won't, it, how do I reframe this? The, the RDA levels on vitamins are basically the minimal you need for optimal health. It's not <laughs> focusing on your optimal health when you're looking at those da percent daily values or RDAs. <clears throat> and also it's important to look at what type of vitamin A your um, prenatal supplement is providing because Vitamin A in a supplement could also mean beta carotene or carotenoids, which is actually the precursor to vitamin A. So that one's actually not absorbed as well in your body as vitamin A is, which is retinol, which only comes from animal sources. So <clears throat> like you would absorb a lot more vitamin A from something like a cod liver fish oil supplement or um, from liver, from beef or, or chicken than you would from a prenatal that most likely is um, giving you that vitamin A source from uh, beta carotenoids. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Um, vitamin A toxicity is pretty rare. However, um, to, to play on the safe side there, um, you know, doing liver about once or twice a week would definitely be within like a healthy, healthy range for vitamin A. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, thank you, yeah, that's a good question. I have a question about snacks too. Yeah. <laughs> My question is, how often should we be eating? I don't know if you're going to speak to this, but I know mm -hmm. that this is a question on a lot of people's minds. We hear different, you know, having three meals a day and two snacks mm -hmm. or, you know, lots of little meals. And I know that mm -hmm. when I was pregnant, I was pregnant 24 hours a day <laughs> yeah. and I needed uh, at different points of my pregnancy to expand my feeding clock to be 24 hours a day as well. So I don't know if you're planning on speaking to that later or mm. if this would be a good time to talk about um, timing meals and how that yeah. affects our blood. Yeah, so, so my answer to this question is that it depends, it totally depends on your body. Um, you know, not only is estrogen and progesterone dictating like how well insulin, how well, um, how sensitive your body is to insulin, but there's also like other factors involved, like genetics and just like other, you know, how fast your metabolism works as well, which varies from person to person. I will say, you know, during pregnancy and postpartum, your body's definitely utilizing a lot more calories. It needs a lot more energy to just like maintain daily, daily function. So um, I would recommend like eating ideally within the first, you know, 30 minutes of waking up, um, really focusing on, you know, high fat, healthy, high fat meals with good sources of protein um, and rich in complex carbohydrates. And then if you find you're hungry in two hours, you're hungry into, you know, your body utilize that. That's a good thing. So eat again, but don't, I would say where I see an issue with that is if we're just 
grazing throughout the day, but we're not really getting any good protein. You know, we're just eating like an apple by itself without like, say an apple with some nut butter on it, or we're just eating chocolate or a piece of white bread without say, um, you know, ghee or some avocado on it instead of white bread, some whole wheat bread. So I wouldn't focus on so much of how much you're eating, but quality of the food you're eating. But, you know, I think it, it, it's perfectly normal for women during pregnancy and breastfeeding to wake up in the middle of the night feeling hungry. And that's just <laughs> your body used all that glucose and I think reflecting on your meal throughout the day um, is really valuable. So looking again at, hmm, why am I hungry more today than I was yesterday? Did, did I not eat enough at lunch? Did I not eat enough protein today? Um, those all kind of just help um, for, for the next day and beyond. And if you, if you find one day you didn't eat enough protein or enough fat, that there's a new day tomorrow where <laughs> your blood sugars will be, you know, happy to be in, in homeostasis as long as you allow it with the right foods. Did that answer your question? Yeah, thanks. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to hone in on collagen as another superfood for super mamas. Um, I'm a really big fan of collagen um, for basically everyone and the reason is is that collagen is the most abundant protein in our bodies and it is a major component of connective tissue so it's a key builder of not only healthy skin but also healthy muscles tendons joints bones and other tissues it's also super um, absorbable um, so those with like GI distress or um, maybe like leaky gut syndrome it actually helps heal that the digestive system and is absorbed um, readily. And for pregnant mamas out there, it also helps the skin stretch and become more elastic for a growing baby. So you're less likely to get those um, stretch marks by consuming collagen. And it's also really important for healing tissue postpartum as well from the internal level. So how can we get more collagen from our diet? Um, the good news with collagen um, being known to help support healthy skin. So I think we're all like a little vain here. <laughs> so um, companies know what sells and by promoting healthy skin, you know, hair and nails, who doesn't want those? Um, a lot more collagen peptides are coming on the market. Some brands I really like include Vital Proteins, um, as well Great Lakes makes a really good collagen peptides powder, uh, as well as Primal Kitchen. Um, Great Lakes also does a gelatin powder. So gelatin's a little bit different from collagen peptides in that it's not, um, not it doesn't dissolve as easily in water, so it becomes more uh, coagulated. So it's a great way to make things like pudding or jello or those um, gummy bears that I mentioned for, for a healthy snack idea. And those ones I really like um, to suggest to postpartum women because it's really easy to just like pop a few gummies throughout the day. And there's a bunch of recipes online for um, gelatin gummy bears. And you just put them in a mold and let them sit for a few hours or overnight in the fridge and add, you know, whatever your favorite fruit juice is to them. So um, tart cherry makes a really good gummy bear with the gelatin. Um, I've done it with um, apple juice as well, cranberry juice, um, whatever you have. But my, my favorite way to incorporate collagen is actually through bone broth. So using those bones from like a whole chicken or something you roasted or a cow that has um, some bones, letting that sit in a crock pot overnight on a low simmer with a little bit of apple juice will help remove that collagen from the bone. If you notice after you cook it, um, there's this like gelatinous layer on top as you let it cool down before you put it in the fridge, that's the collagen. So that's all that really nourishing protein that your body gets. And then you could sip on that bone broth throughout the day. Um, you could also incorporate it into like a stew or a soup or a puree. Um, there's lots of ways to incorporate bone broth. You could cook your bone, um, your 
like beans in it as well. And that's also a really good breakfast for someone that's feeling nauseous and all they feel like they could do is sip on some bone broth that, hey, at least you're getting some really good protein from the collagen in that. <clears throat> okay, so last I wanna talk about some dinner ideas. Um, I think batch cooking is easy for dinner just because usually you're not just cooking for yourself, you're cooking for your whole family. So things like stir fry where you could prep veggies in advance. So incorporate some of those cruciferous vegetables to help with um, balancing those estrogen levels. So broccoli or Brussels sprouts or cabbage or cauliflower um, with some beef or chicken. That would be an easy meal to create for the whole family. Um, I really like zoodles. So zoodles are um, spiralized zucchini and it kind of mimics a pasta. And then you could put some pesto sauce in that with um, maybe some sauteed shrimp or whatever your favorite seafood is. Um, another one would be like a deconstructed um, taco. So like ground beef with some beans and rice on the side with some veggies and avocado and sauteed sweet potatoes. Um, some other ideas would be like stuffed, stuffed potatoes or stuffed sweet potatoes with all the fixings, like um, whatever meat you have at home with some sauteed veggies, um, some like full fat sour cream or guacamole on top. The things I wouldn't recommend for dinner are things like just like white pasta with some red sauce because if you break that meal down so pasta has just it's basically just gluten which again gets broken down into um, glucose in the bloodstream so the only thing slowing down that absorption is maybe a tiny amount of fiber in that white pasta and then the red sauce has you know, maybe a little bit of fiber in it, but it's mostly sugar as well. So that meal's basically just gets converted into sugar in the bloodstream. So I wouldn't recommend something like really white bread and um, yeah, things like mac and cheese or something like that. At least if you're gonna do mac and cheese, like add some more protein to it to help slow down the absorption um, of glucose into the bloodstream. Okay, I think that's my last slide. Let me exit out of here. Do we have any questions from the group? You are welcome to unmute yourself if you have a question for Paige and you'd like to speak directly to her or you're welcome to also share your comments in the chat and I'm happy to read it aloud. While we're waiting, Chelsea, did you have any more questions? I always want to talk about heartburn. You know me. <laughs> yeah. I suffered from heartburn when I was pregnant. I didn't believe it was real mm -hmm. until I got pregnant. Um, is there anything that you would share with um, people suffering from pregnancy? Mm -hmm. Or it's not from, <laughs> that's the wrong word. Suffering from heartburn in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, is does balancing our blood sugars help with that? Or have you found mm -hmm. things from a holistic nutrition perspective that is helpful for that? Because that can really make it difficult for pregnant people to get the nutrition they need. Yeah, definitely. Um, heartburn is very real during pregnancy. It can happen during like all three trimesters or some people just get it towards the end as kind of, there's just so much pressure in the esophageal region and the stomach that we, we just can't, like keep it all down is the easiest way to explain that. Also, the the higher progesterone levels make your esophageal region the region relax more. So um, that can also lead to heartburn too, especially during your first trimester. And um, things that I've found help with um, heartburn is definitely eating. So following like a balanced blood sugar diet, meaning like eating those, you know, smaller frequent meals, not eating like a huge, um, dense, like greasy, fatty meal that will definitely help, um, eliminate or at least help 
prevent it a little bit. Um, I found too that um, actually heartburn is caused not only, not from your body. So you would think that heartburn is caused from your stomach producing too much acid, but it's actually the opposite. It's your um, stomach producing too little acid. So ways to help increase the stomach acid, my favorite is something, um, you could either do something like apple cider or a little bit of fire cider first thing in the morning that'll help increase your stomach acid. Um, also, there are some like stomach acid uh, pills you can take, um, they're called uh, betaine hydrochloric acid supplements. Um, but I think it's easier to just get it from foods like the apple cider vinegar or fire cider. Another one would be um, a warm cup of water in the morning with um, some fresh squeezed lemon in it. That would help increase um, the, the stomach acid. And some ones when you're already experiencing heartburn that I found are really soothing are herbs like slippery elm and mushroom root. Um, mushroom root tea I found has actually been the most helpful for me. Um, I found from an herbalist friend of mine by doing a cold brew press of marshmallow root tea. So what you do is you put about maybe like a half cup of mushroom root at the bottom and you can get that from your local herb store um, and then you add some cold water to it you let it sit in your french press overnight and then you drink it throughout the day and you can add more cold water to it throughout the day too but that's been i found really soothing and helpful um, for me personally and i've heard from others as well that that one works really well similar with slippery elm i think they sell slippery slippery elm lozenges um, at the stores too. Those kind of just help coat, coat the throat to help um, with that burning sensation. Cool. Thank you. I'm always yeah. looking for more tips on that. And <laughs> while I'm talking, I'm just going to ask a question yeah. that we have in the chat, which is how do you recommend curbing these monster sugar cravings that some of us have? Do we go cold, mm -hmm. cold turkey or do we work on gradually reducing our sugar intake? Yeah, well, I would say work with your sugar cravings instead of against them. So if you're craving something, for instance, if you're craving like something salty sweet, work with those cravings. So like a, try something like some cashews with some dried tart cherries to get that salty sweet craving or, um, you know, your own homemade trail mix with things like bittersweet chocolate in it. So you're still getting that sweet taste, but you're also getting some nuts, which give you some healthy fat and protein. Um, so, so that would be one example of a sugar craving. And I'm also a big fan of, again, quality over quantity. So if you have like a really intense um, sugar craving for, I don't know, chocolate's just been one in my life. Like I would treat yourself to like a really nice high quality chocolate rather than like a Hershey's bar or something, which just like for one, I'm pretty sure there's not a lot of real chocolate in that, but also, um, you know, there's a lot of added sugars, whereas something like, I like the brand Lily's where they just add a little bit of stevia to it and you're getting like, they have like a salted almond one, which, you know, gives you that salty um, flavor that you're probably looking for as well as a little bit of sweet from the stevia and the chocolate. And chocolate's also um, a naturally good source of magnesium too. So um, we all could use a little bit more magnesium in our diet. So chocolate's a good, whole chocolate, not, not Hershey's chocolate um, could give you some of that magnesium. Thanks Paige. There's actually another question about magnesium. Yeah. We're talking about it. Um, mm -hmm. Emily writes, can you talk about the different forms of magnesium supplements that are helpful during pregnancy? Yeah. Well, so that totally depends on what you're looking for. So I can go over some of the different types of magnesium on the market. And basically, um, magnesium is chelated to something. And what that something is chelated to kind of dictates how the magnesium works best for what you're looking for. So something like magnesium citrate, um, that would be really great for adding water to your stools, meaning it would help um, produce a healthy bowel movement too much of it and you will experience 
um, watery stools or diarrhea. So kind of experiment with that and start off on a small dose and then you can always increase more. Um, so starting off with like 300 to 400 milligrams and you can always increase up to about 600 milligrams of that magnesium citrate. Um, so that one's good for um, bowel health. Um, magnesium malate's another good one for pregnancy because it really does help with um, muscle cramps. So again, start off small because it could still produce um, loose stools if you're taking too much of it. And I don't really recommend magnesium oxide. I have seen it, um, but that one's a pretty harsh laxative. So I found magnesium citrates a lot more um, gentle than magnesium oxide. And then there's also something called uh, magnesium threonate, which is actually a patented magnesium product that certain companies are selling, certain supplement companies. And that one actually crosses the blood brain barrier. So that's a good one if you're having troubles falling asleep. Um, magnesium threonate's a good one for that. Great, thanks, Kate. I see one more question from Amber, and she's just curious if all the same advice um, you gave today would apply to nursing moms as well as pregnant moms. Yeah, def definitely. Um, it, I think it applies to everyone, honestly. Um, but yeah, for nursing moms, you're definitely utilizing more calories as you're putting breast milk. So um, absolutely keeping those blood sugar levels in check and making sure you're um, balancing out those carbohydrates with things like healthy fat sources and protein. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Um, I want to say thank you to Paige for joining us today and sharing so much valuable information with us. You can find more about Paige at her website, which was ditchmyscale.com. Great name. Mm -hmm. And her classes and her groups are all there for you on her website. Um, thank you again for joining us to the live audience. We appreciate your attendance and your participation. Um, hope you have a great day. Yeah, thank you all. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Nest on Tap. For more talks about pregnancy and parenting, visit us online at thenestfamilyresource.com, on Facebook at The Nest Childbirth Postpartum and Parenting, and on Instagram at thenest.nc.